Hey everybody, Sam Goodman, the hot nerd here. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is pretty awesome. It is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor does this really cool thing where you click distribute and they send your podcast to all kinds of other places where you can hear podcasts. Pretty neat. You can make money from this thing with no minimum amount of listeners. Go check out Anchor today. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hot Nerd out. How's that go? An eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. That sounds really true for organizations, especially if we're trying to learn stuff. Arizona. Welcome to episode two of the Hop Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, your roaming hop evangelist, your resident culture geek, Sam Goodman. Thank you for listening in. We're glad that you're here with us. Please check out thehopnerd.com. Follow along on Twitter. Give us a follow on LinkedIn. It's really the easiest way to always keep up to date with what we've got going on. Hey, shoot us a DM. We're cool with that too. So how was your Thanksgiving? Good, I hope. We spent a really good portion of hours in a car getting quality windshield time. I guess that's fun. But it was totally worth it. We, we went to California to visit some in-laws. The food was amazing, and they're okay too. So it, it all kind of worked out. Can you believe that it's almost 2020? I do this every single year. The year flies by. The end of the year, I find myself wondering, what the heck happened? It's all gone. I don't want to let go of 2019 yet. It was pretty amazing. But I've got a really sneaking suspicion that 2020 is going to be an absolute blast. What do you think? Let me know. Strangely enough, and for whatever reasons, it seems to be a way controversial subject, especially amongst the circles of industry that I find myself kind of mingling in. So I thought, why not? Let's dig into some of the hard stuff early. And for me, it's really, let's let's stir the pot early. So I'm going to preface this conversation with a couple of things. Uh, number one, I'm not referring to malicious or purposeful acts. So disclaimer, right? Um, I'm not talking about those quote unquote buttheads, other word than butt, but buttheads um, that exist in our world the folks that purposefully and maliciously do things to harm themselves or others. So that doesn't apply here. Let's just admit that's way outside of our our wheelhouse, right? That's just not something that we're dealing with. And then I want you to bring your mind back to the general hop principles. So when we start getting into difficult or tough subjects, um, rule of thumb, always bring yourself back to the principles, always ground yourself in the principles. So the one that I really want to talk about is the fact that error is normal, right? So we need to keep that in the back of our mind as we're talking about anything around just culture. Uh, I would also tell you to to key in on the fact that blame fixes nothing and how we react matters. So really as you go through just culture, all, all of these things apply, but really focus in on that fact that error is normal 
that's really where we start to shift our understanding of human behavior. So let's start by trying to rough out some definitions. Uh, restorative justice focuses on rehabilitation. We're trying to make things whole, and, and we see that manifest in our normal criminal justice system. Uh, we see that becoming more prevalent in today's world. You broke a window, you fix a window. You harm someone's property, you pay for their property. You harm someone, you find a way to make them whole. We're aiming to repair trust and the damaged relationships that we have after an incident. So in a restorative culture, after an incident occurs, the question is asked, what went wrong, rather than who caused the problem? You flip that a little bit to a retributive culture. It's based on rules, breaking these rules, how that's punished. We're really making bad actors pay for their sins against the rules or their sins against the organization. So in a retributive culture, we usually ask questions that sound like this. Which rule has been broken? What happened? Who did it? How bad was it? What does that person deserve or group of people deserve based off of that outcome? So based off of how bad it was. Okay, you see where I'm going with this. Retribution implies guilt. Most of the time, our organizations take this a little further. We try, and, and we take this a little further. Uh, it comes from a good place. We're trying to make things more fair. But let's, let's, let's talk about that. We take this a little further. We try to paint out shades of behavior or noncompliance. We then attempt to couple those with behaviors or those behaviors to shades of retribution. So it usually sounds something kind of sort of like this. Unconscious error, you're going to have some consequence. If you took risky conduct, there's going to be more consequence. If you were negligent, there's really, 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 really not good consequences. So this trinity of, of behaviors, it sounds super clear on paper. But it's usually far from that. So let's dig into some of those issues in and around retribution. Who draws those lines? Who gets to decide what behavior is coupled with what? So who gets to decide what risky conduct is? Who gets to decide what negligence is? Can you determine if, uh, if something was made unconscious versus consciously? Is that person making those decisions entirely unbiased? So as you can see, the line is very rarely ever clear. I wanted to, to break a little bit, and without diving too deep into the rabbit hole, I'm going to share with you this study by the Australian Institute of Health Innovation. And if you're a hot nerd like I am, you've read this study, or you've at least heard of it. They perform studies into the knowledge of guidelines and procedures by healthcare staff. So procedures that applied versus procedures that they knew, or rules that they knew. When they, when they looked at this thing, Nurses had about 600-ish different guidelines and procedures that they had to consider every single day. And when asked, they could only recall around three, or they were only familiar with three, if that, of the 600 requirements in place. What does that do for a retributive culture or a retributive justice system where we're holding people accountable, use that term loosely here, accountable to the rules? We're holding people culpable to the rules. So just, again, food for thought. So shifting a little bit here, more into restorative culture. In a restorative culture, the most important questions are in direct contrast to those asked with the more retributive model. Who is the victim? 
What does that victim need right now? Who's responsible to provide that help? How do we learn and get this information throughout our company? So right about now is when I start to get the question, and it sounds a little like this. And let me know. Send me a message. Shoot me a DM if you've gotten something similar. I'd like to hear your story. Compare some notes. But it sounds something kind of sort of like this. That sounds great and all. I totally agree up until this point. That sounds great. But Sam, what about accountability? What about accountability? Okay, let's go there. So what's up with this accountability obsession that we have, right? So most organizations currently believe that accountability means holding people accountable. And it really comes from this place that we don't understand human error. We don't understand human behavior. We have flawed assumptions. They're usually deeply rooted organizational and social assumptions. But that's a podcast for another day. So we, we usually believe that holding people accountable means application of the stick. So we accomplish this through discipline through administering the stick to set an example, send a message, protect the team, scare others into compliance, whatever that might be. We ultimately do this because we believe that discipline is a behavioral modification tool. We think that that's how we fix people. But does it actually do that? I don't think so. At least not very well, not very effectively. So even at a quick glance into recidivism, in our own criminal justice system, it will show you an interesting story that's quite the opposite to discipline being a behavioral modification tool. But I'll let you do that research on your own. So we can't really punish our way into fixing people. Think about this. Usually, if we're punished for doing whatever, insert whatever, X, we don't stop doing X. We try to avoid getting caught doing X. Think speeding ticket. Along with not working very well in general, discipline in our workforces have just a massive, massive downside. Think about the climate that we we create, the us versus them. We start to develop this parent-child relationship. We get less engagement. We get less real-deal discussions less and less trust and openness. So well-intended efforts with not so great unintended byproducts. And ultimately, we end up driving folks to spend more time hiding behaviors than doing what would be way, way, way more useful, which is talking about them out in the open so we can learn from them. So let's set the record straight. Most of our companies continue to confuse these words. Accountability, responsibility, culpability, discipline. Most organizations, when we say those words, they mean the same thing. The aforementioned stick, right? They all mean discipline in some form or another, and usually the application of discipline. But what really is accountability? Let's take a shake at this. Accountability is the willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. So I pulled that one from the dictionary. Pulled this one from there too. Responsibility being the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something. So account meaning to tell the story of. 
So accountability isn't punishment. It's not retribution. It's not culpability. It's not something that you can do to a person, demand from them, extract from them. Accountability is not something that we can we can demand as a management team or as, as an organization. It's not something that we can dictate or punish people into compliance with. So what does real accountability look like in practice? I think learning teams, I think that's a great example that matches that definition to a T. Especially when we see these learning teams used post-error, post-event. It's a learning team that involves us directly involved with that accident or error. The learning team model creates a high accountability environment. And so to break this down into hillbilly ease, my, my native language, we broke it. We're going to figure out how we broke it. We're going to fix it. And we're going to go a little further so if we can also figure out how we can keep others from breaking it as well. Because surely, if I broke it, so can someone else. So let's, let's go back through that for a second. The broke, we broke it, we fix it model. We broke it, responsibility. That's responsibility, we broke it. We're going to figure out how we broke it, accountability. We're going to fix it, responsibility. We're going to go a little further. We're going to figure out how we can keep others from ending up in this same situation, accountability. Some really neat stuff. A learning team is, some, is, is, a, is, again, it's a very good, high accountability environment. And you have some really great byproducts of these learning teams. And this whole learning theme, team thing is, is increased engagement, ownership, openness, trust, all that stuff that we know is super duper important and super duper amazing if we want to learn good things and we want to find betterment in our organizations. So to answer the greater question on HOP and accountability, I don't believe for a second that HOP removes accountability. I really think the opposite is true. I think that we're replacing a less effective model with a more effective one. Just by the nature of retributive justice, we often find people feeling victimized. And when people feel victimized, accountability is gone. So even just at that, that level, of folks feeling empowered rather than victimized. You're increasing accountability. Even with discipline itself, we start to shift our thinking. Rather than seeing discipline as a tool for extracting flesh from those pesky wrongdoers, those that have sinned against their procedures and sinned against their organizations, we start to see it as a tool to safely and fairly extract people from systems in which they do not belong. Safe means to remove someone from unsafe or from an unsafe or unsafe situations. With all this deeper understanding, we find ourselves asking deeper and more philosophical questions. Should our company be in the culpability or blame business at all? Is it our place to administer retribution, to meet hurt with hurt, to seek an eye for an eye? So here's my take on it specifically around safety things and events or human-y, error-y, sticky things. Most of the work we do is super-duper high-hazard, amazingly dangerous stuff, right? If it wasn't, we wouldn't be having these conversations. You would not be listening to my wonderful Appalachian accent right now. Our stuff, it's inherently dangerous, and the consequences are super-severe. 
Usually the worst possible outcome is death, and sometimes it is. So death is a pretty good motivator. I don't really believe that we need to be in the business of manufacturing consequences. We'll never top death. That's always going to be numero uno. We're never going to get past that. Our stick will never be as painful as death. I think we shouldn't be in the retribution business. I don't think that we should be in the eye for eye business. The business that I think we should be in is the learning business. We need to be in the business of understanding why everything makes sense until suddenly it doesn't. Anything that gets in the way of that learning, including our need for retribution, is no bueno. It's no good for us. It's not good for us. It's not good for our companies. It's not good for our people. An eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. If we're trying to be a learning organization, blind is a bad place to be. So, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Am I a little too far out there in left field for you? I'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole thing. Leave me a comment. Send me an email, thehopnerd at gmail.com. Slide into the DMs. Make sure to check us out on LinkedIn, all other social media platforms, the Hop Nerd one on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. Remember, together we can make the world a better place to work. Until next time, same time, same place next week, this is the Hop Nerd signing out. Goodbye. The internet has changed, so should the way you bank. PNC Virtual Wallet for Digital Banking. It's time for a change. Now through March 31st, earn up to $300 when you open and use a select new virtual wallet product. Simply establish a qualifying direct deposit. To learn more, visit a branch or pnc.com slash checking offer. PNC Bank. Make today the day. Virtual Wallet is a registered trademark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC.